0: Six through 11 since therefore it remains for some to enter it and those who formerly received the good excuse me formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience again he appoints a certain day today saying through David so long afterward in the words already quoted today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever uh, we began last week by looking at this idea of rest what is rest and one of the things conclusions we made is that rest was not simply ceasing from labors it was uh, uh, salvation it was the salvation the rest of God that we receive through faith in him and today we're going to look at that same theme of rest but we see this idea of working to rest you need to labor so that you can rest and this is something that seems weird right if I'm going to rest why do I have to work it seems contradictory but at the end of the day I don't think it's that hard of a concept it's something I often tell my kids if you do your chores you can go play If you can get your chores done, just focus on them, get them done, then you won't be working all day. You can go play sooner if you just do your chores. If you don't do them, guess what? You'll be inside all day doing your chores until they're done and the next day and so on. Rest is something that comes after labor. In fact, you can't have rest unless you first started doing something. Right? Rest comes after work. And we know that feeling of like if you've worked a long day and you finally uh, come in and you sit down, it's a restful feeling. It's that feeling I get after I go home on a Sunday and I've preached and maybe I've taught Sunday school and I finally get to go home and I can just sit. Sit and enjoy. There's nothing else right now. Of course, I often will joke, particularly with my other pastor friends, then comes the tyranny of Monday, right? Because Monday, it all starts over again. Well, now it's time to start a new sermon and get ready for the new lessons this week. And that's the thing about this life, right? The rest is never finished. We know that. There's always a new task to get done. A new endeavor to pursue. And the writer of Hebrews comes and throughout the the book of Hebrews, he's been saying, remember to not fall away. Remember that you must keep pursuing your faith. Don't cease in pursuing God in their context and return to Judaism. Judaism. Don't go back to this rigorous system of sacrifice where you're constantly laboring and working. It's futile. It'll do nothing for you. In the same way he speaks to us, don't abandon faith in Jesus to return to this rigorous working of trying to justify yourself. We need to enter into the rest of God. This word rest appears five times in our passage today. It's one of those times where the preacher keeps repeating himself, right? Rest, 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 rest. It's all about rest. Through repetition, we see its importance. He's really trying to drive home a point. So as we come today and we continue to look at rest, what is the nature of this rest how do we enter this rest? How do we endure in this rest? We're going to see three things. A rest for today, a rest that endures, and a rest to come. A rest for today, a rest that endures, and a rest to come. As the writer of Hebrews uh, is building his argument throughout chapter 4. He anticipates a problem. Because he's been saying over and over again. Hey remember the wilderness. They didn't enter into Canaan. They got they had to wander for 40 years. And he anticipates a counter argument. Hey yeah well they didn't enter. But eventually they did enter. They went in with Joshua right. They eventually did go into Canaan. The promised land. So how can you speak of a rest that is to come. Comparing it to the rest in Canaan when they've already rested in Canaan they already went into Canaan they've already taken the land and he's anticipating uh, this argument haven't they already obtained the rest how can there still be a rest that remains for us and again he points to David he says hey look there has to be a rest that's coming another rest because the same words that were used of Israel was used of David and by the time David came where was David king of? Jerusalem, in the promised land. Uh, he had already obtained it, and there was still a rest that was to come. And what the writer is saying is no, the rest has not yet been received in its fullness. The rest of Canaan was meant to point us to something bigger, to something greater. John Calvin says it this way this is not the final rest to which the faithful aspire and which is our common possession with the faithful of that age. It is certain that they looked higher than that of the earthly land. Indeed, the land of Canaan was only thought of as value for the reason that it was a type and a symbol of our spiritual inheritance. There is something greater to come than simply Canaan. The promised land. There is a rest that is far greater that is coming for the people of God. It is an example of something in the Old Testament where we say this is a type of something. Uh, so when we look at, at Hebrews 2.14, it said this. Since therefore the chil- since children share in the flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same thing, that through death he might destroy the one Who has the power of death, that is the devil. So we look at that passage and we say, The devil's been defeated. Yes, the devil's been defeated. It's done. But we also know that he still has some reign, doesn't he? He still has some effect on us. So the devil has been defeated, yet there is still an ultimate defeat that is to come. And this is the same way we talk about God's rest. Jesus has delivered for us a rest. But there is still a rest that is to come Because we know in this life It's still toil at times It's still labor And in this life We rest on the saving power of Jesus So the argument If I were to summarize the argument for the the writer Would be this Yes I know you're going to labor I know life is going to be hard I know you're going to have trials I know you're going to have temptations and in spite of any of these things, in any weakness that you may have, you can be sure of what you have hoped for. You can be certain of what you do not see. Because you rest upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And just as he promised, God the Father promised, rest For Israel and Canaan, and they received it. So much more, he who promised you rest in eternity will provide it for you as well. You rest upon the Lord Jesus Christ. You lay your burdens upon him. You bring to him your hurt. You bring to him your worries. And in him you find rest. And that's what we're looking for, isn't it? Yes, I hurt now, but there is a time coming where I will hurt no longer. Yes, I worry and I am doubtful now, but there's a time coming when I will worry and doubt no longer. When God's promises are, are brought to their fullness in the return of Jesus Christ. It is a wondrous, wondrous thing. the call to the the writer of Hebrews or to the hearers of Hebrews was this stay the course stay firm work labor making your salvation secure knowing that your rest in Christ is secure and that's hard because we don't always feel now like our rest is secure do we We don't always feel now like our rest is secure. Because we look around, we feel what's going on around us. And it doesn't seem like we're victorious. It's like the psalm, if you ever read Psalm 73. Lord, I look at this world, I look at those who are prospering, and I see their wickedness. And it doesn't make sense to me. And we can do the same. We can look at this world and say, we see wickedness. We see the wicked prospering. And we are called to come back to look and say, yes, it seems that this is the way now. But the the way that psalm writes is, but then I looked forward. I looked forward to eternity, and what did I see? They were punished. They were wicked, and they were punished, and yet I am with my God in heaven. His work is now finished. And so we can now rest in him. leads so us to our second point a rest that endures what is the idea of enduring it's something that is ongoing continuing. you endure to the end of a race so what is this rest that we endure in up to this point as the writer has used the word rest he has been using the greek word used in the Old Testament Greek translation That always talked about Rest in promised land He now switches the word he's using for rest And specifically starts talking about Sabbath rest Remember the Sabbath, keep it holy he, He's switching the rest he's talking about now uh, From promised land rest to Sabbath rest It's a language shift that you don't necessarily see Unless you know the original language and so we have to ask ourselves, what then is Sabbath rest? And up to this point in talking about rest, we haven't really addressed the Sabbath. And so you may be thinking here at this point, oh, well, good, Daniel's about to give us a list of, this is what I can do on the Sabbath and this is what I can't do on the Sabbath. No, that's not what I'm about to do. But we do have to look at the idea of the Sabbath and what is our view of the Sabbath if we're going to rest. If So when we talk about um, Canaan and it was a type of rest the same is true for the sabbath the sabbath for us is a type of rest Now there are two dominant views when it comes to this text on what this means The first view says this that in the coming of christ The sabbath command no longer exists In essence, they would argue that the fourth commandment ceases to be a commandment which we have to obey because Uh, Jesus as the greater symbol of rest has come and the lesser symbol being the entrance into the promised land. So Sabbath keeping on the sense of keeping a specific day uh, no longer has to occur. It's worked out in the normal affair of life. All of life is a Sabbath rest. I see great problems in this. First and foremost is this. The Sabbath command comes in The moral law. The Ten Commandments, we call that the moral law. It is an issue of morality. Now, there were certainly uh, civil law, there were ceremonial laws that in the coming of Christ uh, ceased. Very specifically, food laws are a great example. Jesus says to Peter, look, what I have called clean, you do not call unclean. All things are good to eat, and therefore we have bacon. And it's wonderful, and it's beautiful, and we all say, praise God, Right? We see a very clear picture there of something that was Old Testament law that no longer it holds for us today. But the Ten Commandments, the moral law, are different. Not one of those have fallen away. Why, and why would one fall away? And what the the first what they would argue is this well look at the temple you had all these sacrifices and so on forth and then jesus came as the last and final sacrifice and so we know therefore no longer sacrifice i go yes you're right because jesus came and was the last and final sacrifice but guess what our last and final rest has not come yet We still have a rest that is to come. The Sabbath rest is pointing to us. And I do believe that when we get to heaven, we enter into a non-ending Sabbath rest with God, right? It is resting in him. Not that we don't work, but it's no longer toil. It's no longer labor. It's no longer the way you think about it today. Like, I don't believe Adam and Eve pre-fall were like, oh, I've got to go work in the garden. It was a joyous resting in what God's creation As they even even as they worked the garden and tended the garden. And verse 9 tells us this: this Sabbath rest has yet to come. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. There still is a rest that is to come, a greater rest. It points to what Christ has secured for us, but is not yet here in its fulfill in, in, in its fullness. And I do believe that part of the reason we have. Oftentimes people say, well, why do you meet on Sunday and not Saturday? Because the Ten Commandments says you'll meet on the last day of the week, not the first day of the week. And I do believe as we go through the New Testament and we see it says, and they were meeting on the Lord's day, as was their habit. I do believe there is a shift uh, in this. That we say we're, we're meeting on the Lord's day, the day that he rose again. Because we're acknowledging that something's different But the fullness has not yet come We must always be aware of the reality Of God's moral obligation And and I think this is hard for us Because we look at this and go Daniel, how is rest moral? Right? So we look at the Ten Commandments And particularly the the latter half And you go, okay, thou shalt not kill Thou shalt not not commit adultery Thou shalt not steal uh, Thou shalt not bear false witness Thou shalt not covet And you go, okay, moral issues, get it And then you go to the front ones and you're like, have no other gods before me, shall not take the Lord's name in vain, Um, and, and so on and so forth. And you go, okay, I get it. It's about God. And then you have this one about, you'll remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. How is that an issue of morality? How is that a moral obligation for us? And the reality is this, it's saying... It is this day set aside for which you will honor me. You will rest and worship me. And even more than that, it's God's provision for you. You will labor six days and you will rest rooted in creation. He, he, he created the earth in six days and then he rested we cease from our labors and we give worship to the god who has created all things we rest in the power of his grace we live according to his commands we stop what we're doing and we focus on him and God says, this is a moral issue. You must focus on me. And we live in a time that makes Sabbath keeping very hard. I remember growing up, you would often hear this I, as I listen to adult conversations, as children are prone to do. And you would hear someone talking, well, I have this job and I have to work on Sundays. And I would often hear uh, on growing up, and this is probably even more true for some of y'all. Well, if they're making you work on Sundays, just find a different job. Because what was the reality growing up? There were actually very few jobs that required you to work on Sunday. That's not true anymore. <laughs> it's not true anymore, is it? As, as we have, as a country have, have moved away at least from some sort of social Christianity, social religion, uh, we have moved away from this. And it, it can become harder nowadays to have a job that doesn't require you at times to work on Sunday. And I believe this is an attack. The world, the flesh, the devil, they don't want us to stop and worship God. Because as we talked about last week, they are trying, as I very poorly in some different analogies talking about Times Square and other places, they're trying to take our eyes off Jesus, aren't they? They're trying to take our eyes off God. They're trying to get us to stop and and taking time to focus on God. And my goal here today, and I don't believe the goal of this passage is to put a weight on you Saying this If you work it on Sundays God's unhappy with you I'm, I'm not sitting here Coming today to, to create some sort of Weight upon you Nor do I believe this passage is, is trying to do the same In one sense In another sense it is saying uh, There is a weight on you That you must focus upon him And we know even Jesus himself Makes provision on the Sabbath Right There are particularly some jobs where you are called to work on the Sabbath. If you work in a hospital and you you have to work work on Sunday, it must be done. And there's the whole, and I think we often misuse this, but if the ox is in the ditch, if you by necessity must do this, do it. That's what it says. Which one of you, if your ox has not gotten in a ditch, would not get that ox out of the ditch? If by necessity you must do something, then do it. Jesus makes provision for this. But the point also is here. It's to exhort us, to encourage us, to share in the rest that God has provided for us. And far too often I think our reasoning for not enjoying his rest and taking time to focus on him is not those things. It's, oh, I'm tired this morning. Well, wouldn't God have me rest? That's, that's not just what it's, it's not just about ceasing from labors. That's the point. It's not just about that. It's about coming into His presence and focusing on God. That real rest is found only in Him. And this rest that we are to experience, this Sabbath rest, is is it's preparatory. It's preparatory for eternity. So there are several things. Um, we were driving this is the side but we were driving in the car yesterday and i or the other day with my wife and i used the word it, uh, it's a foretaste and she goes of the wedding supper of the lamb and that's not what i was talking about she goes you always say foretaste and i think wedding supper of the lamb but that's the same kind of principle here it's like when you go to the lord's table it's a foretaste of the wedding supper of the lamb right of that when we get to be in god's presence and we're in, and we're enjoying this feast which he's prepared for us or uh, when we um Come and worship and sing praises. It's a foretaste of the praises that we sing together in heaven. And our worship, our Sabbath worship is a foretaste of the rest that we find in God, that He has planned for us. We should come, we should worship, we should rest in Christ. This is what we're supposed to be doing on Sunday. This is this is training school for heaven. Right? That's kind of a crass way to say it, but but it is true. This is what we're doing. This is what eternity will be like. You're going to be around all other believers. And you're going to be in heaven singing praises to God. You're going to be giving worship and glory to his name. It's the rest that endures. And that rest endures. So no, I don't think that. I believe the the moral obligation of Sabbath still continues today. And we're to obediently come before him. And what's one of the things about practice? When you practice something, you're trying to get better at it, right? You're trying to get better, and that's why we practice. It's the Sabbath practice, anticipating when we are no longer sinful. And that leads us to our last point, a rest that is to come. It's a future rest. And as we come here, verse 10 and 11 kind of contradict each other. Because 10 says, For who has entered God's rest has also rested from his work as God did from his... It's saying, oh yeah, rest. And then he says in verse 11, Let us therefore strive to enter rest. Again, he says here, Let us work, let us labor to enter rest. We are to make every effort to enter this rest. To not fall away as Israel did in the wilderness. Again, understanding... That our ultimate salvation is not relied upon our working. But we still work. It's the point of saying, you can't come to faith in Jesus and then do nothing. Because a faith in Jesus that does nothing is no faith at all. It's no faith at all. We must be doing something. As sinful as it may be, as marked by pride and arrogance as may, it may be, as inaccurate at times as it may be, we are to be laboring, faithfully resting and trusting, trusting in Him, pressing onward, not complaining against God, not hardening our hearts against Him, but relying wholly on Him in this present day of testing. Now is the day of our labor. Now is the day of our labor. We are to be working for eternity. For our final rest that is yet to come. That awaits us in heaven. Now is the time for work. And when we're done working, we rest. And while we work, we get these small glimpses. Remember that rest I promised you? Remember that rest I promised you? Remember that rest I promised you? That's what Sunday is, right? Remember that rest I promised you? It's coming. But in the meantime, keep your eyes focused on heaven. Gazing to your true home. Trusting your heavenly father. And in our day of rest, we will find joy in him forever. The rest of Sunday is a picture, or the Sabbath day, whatever you want to call it, is a picture of the rest of eternity. Our eternal rest, rest from toil, rest from labor, rest from pain, rest from hurt, rest from separation between us and God as we come into his presence. So we labor now. Labor with joyful anticipation. Think about work. And if we were able to work with joyful anticipation, I go back to the example of my children. If my children understood, really understood, if I just work and get my chores done, I get to play. Now, oftentimes... And this is my guilty heart as well, not just my children's. When I see the task to be done, I go, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I just don't want to. I don't, I don't have the time. I don't have the energy or I just don't want to. Oftentimes with chores, chores are the don't want to's right. I want to get to eternity without the work. I want to get to playing without chores. But think if our eyes were focused with joyful anticipation. Oh, as soon as I get my done with my chores, I get to play. And in the same way we come, as soon as I'm done for my labors, I get to be with God in heaven. That's my eternity. So no, no matter what else may come, I wait with joyful anticipation to enter into the glory of God. That is the rest that awaits for us. And yet, as our minds are prone to wonder, I'm so thankful that He gave us Sundays, the Sabbath day. He goes, Remember, eternity's coming. Eternity's coming. We today can rest because we know the work is done, we know the victory is secure. We no longer have to secure our ultimate rest, right? The salvation rest. The Canaan land rest. We don't have to work for that. But we do have a rest that endures. Rooted in creation. Affirmed by the law. True still today. And we wait for it with anticipation. With joyful anticipation. For that eternity when Christ comes again. When we enter The land of rest. This rest that is without end. And again, we can't get caught up in the idea of rest as merely doing nothing. It's resting in the goodness and the mercy of God. That is the rest that we look forward to that has been made possible by the finished work of Jesus Christ. So we labor. As he says in verse 11, strive, strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. We are not to be disobedient We are to work, we are to strive to obedience, resting and trusting in him, not living like Israel in the day of rebellion. But today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart, but hear him, listen to him, enter into his rest, which is wonderful and sweet. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do come and rest and trust in the goodness of Jesus Christ, who has made provision for our souls. Lord, would we labor, would we strive in this day, as long as it's called today, with anticipation of the rest that will come. We pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.